Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're talking to the employee whisperer on how to engage your team using caring leadership. Welcome to the Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and today our guest is a best-selling author, international speaker, consultant, and facilitator who has earned her reputation, as you've already heard, as the employee whisperer. She's the CEO and founder of Employee Fanatics, a leading employee engagement, leadership development, and DEI consulting firm. She firmly believes that employees aren't just numbers on the payroll, but human beings with ideas that matter. She's the host of the Leadership with Heart podcast and has been featured in Forbes and HuffPost. Her newest book is called The Art of Caring Leadership, How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams and Organizations. Here is Heather Younger. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Yes. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? The thing that that influences me the most is my childhood. I came from a not a traditional kind of background, and uh, my mom is white and Jewish. My dad is black and Christian, and there was a lot of uh, bumpiness in that journey for me. And so there was a lot of exclusion, a lot of not feeling important, and all those things created this desire in me to help others feel the opposite of what I felt when I was younger. That's probably been the biggest impact of my life. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Empathetic, compassionate, and a great communicator. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Are there any barriers I can remove for you? What's a book that you would recommend to leaders? I would say any book by John Maxwell is amazing. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Care more. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I say why. Why do you say that? I feel like the why behind things is so absolutely crucial to just being able to feel motivated to take the next step. If you don't know the why, you're just kind of going about tactical steps and you have no meaning. So I feel like answering the why gets you much further. We'll be back with the rest of our interview right after this. As the leader of your organization, you have a lot on your plate. You work most of your day, leaving you little time to think about your own development. There's a resource for you, and it's called the Leadership Action List. Get the best leadership development tips for leaders by leaders at leadershipactionlist.com. The best news? It's free. Once again, for a year's worth of weekly leadership development, download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. Well, Heather, we're here today to talk about your recently released book, The Art of Caring Leadership, How Leading with Heart Uplifts Teams and Organizations. I'd love to hear a little bit about the book as well as all that you're building out around this book. Can you share with us about your vision for this and the impact that you're looking to make? This body of work is who I am. It's 
a culmination of all my life's work. And it's the second book, but I think this will be the most impactful of all the ones I ever write. And I think it's because I feel like it has the ability to be really impactful globally. Right now, especially in our world, it's just, you know, employees are in pain and there's that distance there and there already was the disconnect and now there's even more disconnect. So this book on caring leadership and giving leaders more meat around this idea of caring and what it really looks like takes it out of the place of being nebulous and really gives you concrete ways to show and express more care to those you lead. So I think in, a, in the context of where we're at right now in the world, we need more care. We need to care more. We need to express care more. And we need to find ways to measure that. So the vision is then after the book, the leader will then take a self-assessment. The self-assessment alone is not enough. They will get a report and, and different tips on what to do. But there's also going to be a caring leadership community with coaches that also will be there to help out if needed. And uh, and then we'll be having a caring leadership academy. And that academy is going to be absolutely focused on those who read the book, those who take the self-assessment. And then it, it basically helps to fill the gaps in the areas that they fall lowest in the self-assessment. And then it helps to kind of fill some of those gaps with some learning. So like I said, I wanted it to be like a support and guidance system and not just a book. And that's what we're, we're building out I mean, like as we speak. <laughs> So your previous book was The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty. How would you see this as a book that's connected to your current book, The Art of Caring Leadership? Do you see a connection there or are they headed in different directions? No, there's definitely a connection. I, I can't get away from this work, right? This idea of making sure that employees are at the center of the work we do in our businesses and understanding how much employees drive the bus forward. So that seven intuitive laws of employee loyalty really was about like the focus was on loyalty and what are, we, what are the things that employees want. This one is kind of the same thing. It's, it's kind of from both angles. I have interviewed over 150 people on my podcast, Leadership with Heart, and 80 of those people's voices are showing up inside this book. And then what I've done is I've taken that information and all the learnings from what they do, the more emotionally intelligent leader, and then the things that I know about all the surveys I've read, all the comments I've read from employees about what it is that's a gap for them at work. And that's what is coming to the head inside this book. You had talked at the beginning of the episode about your childhood and how that kind of shaped who you've become today. Is it connected to this idea of caring and leading with heart or did it shape you in other ways that's brought you eventually to what is now your primary focus, which is this, this idea of getting employees involved in their organization? I don't know. I feel like we're always at the point where we're supposed to be for a reason. And I do believe I'm a byproduct of my past, but I don't have to be defined by it. So I think that the book is a culmination that started with my childhood and all the other experiences along the way that helped me realize that employees, there are employees and customers, to be honest, are lacking a voice. And what I mean by that is lacking a voice in boardrooms, lacking a voice in kind of around leadership roundtables, leadership tables. And so they don't really get to be heard. And that desire on my part to help people be heard absolutely comes from my childhood. I would say another lesson that I took from my childhood is to become a very resilient person. So I'm hyper ambitious. I really have some thick skin. I actually am pretty sappy. So I like, I cry a lot. Like I can, my feelings get hurt a lot, but I bounce back really fast. And it's because of the adversity I faced when I was a child. So I think there's a lot of good stuff that comes from stuff that's not so great. And I think this book is one of those things. There are probably leaders listening to this episode right now who are wondering what the subtitle of your book means, this idea of leading with heart. How would you begin talking about that concept of leading with heart? Well, it's interesting because I, I actually look at caring leadership and leading with heart as synonymous. 
is this idea of being really and more emotionally intelligent. I would have to say if I had to boil it down, it would be listening, seeking to understand, compassion, empathy, meeting people where they're at, providing safe spaces for people, just being relational, right? Not having to feel like you have this, you know, bat cape where you're, you have to cover yourself and you can't reveal who you are, but allowing some of the vulnerabilities to take shape, understanding that we are on a journey and that it's not a destination and that we will never be perfect and no one is, including me who writes about the stuff, talks about the stuff, right? So I think that's how I look at it. Leadership with heart is really that a more emotionally intelligent person that does the things I just mentioned and caring leadership is just kind of the overarching framework for what that looks like. From your experience working with other people, writing on the subject, perhaps researching some of the the ideas and issues around this idea of taking care of employees and helping them to reach their potential, what are some of the areas where leaders tend to most often overlook where employees need them most? I would say oftentimes we overlook the importance of having the one-on-one time set on the calendar with our team members very consistently, weekly, every two weeks, and trying to keep that calendar, like not changing it and canceling it every week. And then making sure that when we have those conversations, it's not just about projects and processes and tasks and things that need to accomplish, but that we've, we've carved out some time to just sit with them and just find out, again, are there barriers you need to remove? What's happening at home? Is there something that is in your way to help you become your best? What do you need from me as the as your leader? I, I have a responsibility to you. I want you to grow. In what ways am I failing to do that? It's just having those conversations, really being super interested and hyper-focused on the person in front of you. I would say those are the things that leaders overlook the most. And for that leader who sees themselves as too busy, they have too much on their plate, they don't have the time to be able to sit down with employees. How, let me just say this, I think the answer is just do it. But in the moment, it doesn't feel like you can just do it. So what are some recommendations you have to maybe help leaders think about this differently or to find time in their schedules in order to have that one-on-one time to understand what's happening in the lives of their employees, to understand what their employees need to do what's expected of them? For the people who think that way, I would probably tell them to work backward and to evaluate what their current success rate is right now for everything they want, like projects that didn't get completed on time. What are the errors that are happening in their processes or things that they maybe put in place to work themselves backwards and to evaluate their success rate on all those things. And if they are to go down and go deep, it probably had to do with a person in more cases than not. Even if it was a machine that initiated, there was a person on the back end that designed it. There were all these things, right? So figuring out if it was the person, what is the person getting out of it? Are they being fulfilled by this process and this project and this thing that you that either didn't go well? Looking at it that way. So backing yourself up to the result you were looking for. If the result was amazing and you're still treating them not so great, well, you know, I guess kudos to you. I'm not sure they'll stay with you long. But in the end, I bet you from my research, that's not going to happen. So in the end, look at what it is that you're expecting to get, to get out of the work you're doing. If, you're, if you want to look good to your bosses, you want to look good to your managers above the board, what results have you gotten? And if you haven't been very happy, ask yourself, what's happening with the people who are actually executing the things that you're looking to get done? And I can guarantee you, you're going to see some holes and you're gonna, you will have missed a lot. And if you would have paid more attention and made that time, because that time is an investment, not just in the people, but in the business and in the team you will see the results will be significant. I'd love for you to paint a picture of how you would imagine an organization would be when the leader of that organization is leading with heart, is a caring leader. What does that organization look like? 
Well, I mean, I definitely know it's thriving. Uh, I think of Gary Ridge, who is the CEO of WD-40 Company, and I've highlighted him in my book. And when his people come through the front door in the morning, he is greeting them in that Aussie accent that he has. He's taking that time. And this is a 2 billion, this has a market cap of like 2.2 billion. So this is not some little drop in the bucket place. He's taking the time in a large organization to say good morning, to say hello, to let people know how they're doing, to focus on culture, to make sure that people feel uplifted, to have programs and processes in place that benefit the people that are there that are executing on the things that get them, get them where they need to get to the bottom line for the board and for everything else. So, you know, I think that that's how I see it is that they are, they are constantly reflecting on how their actions or inactions, how their words and what they fail to say are impacting the people that are really driving the bus forward. It's the people day to day that are interacting with their customers, interacting with their investors, whoever the, the stakeholders are, those are the people and how much are we caring for them? So that's what I would say, someone who's really aware of that. If leaders want to begin creating those programs that benefit people in their organization, what are some clever or creative things that you've seen leaders do that wouldn't be that expensive or difficult to get off the ground, but could really help out employee engagement or how people feel about going to work, showing up to work and are excited about being there? You know, here's the thing. There's no like silver bullet. There's no like easy like thing really. I would say the thing that costs the least again, is to hire the right people who do have more emotional intelligence. They are people who are more self-aware. They are people who are empathetic, who are good listeners. So that might be, I guess, the least expensive path you can take is to make sure that the, the people who are managing other people have those real strong emotional intelligence traits. And if they don't, that you immediately get to building those in them so that they can ensure that their people feel cared for. Now, what do you begin doing to make sure that you aren't a pushover? How do you make sure that you kind of hold the line, you you keep those high expectations and make sure that things are continuing to get done? One of the areas in the inside of this book is, is about basically being clear with your expectations and that showing care is that thing. Because if we are not clear, then there's confusion, then there's insecurity, there's a lack of information. And so that is not a form of care. The form of care is to say, where do we want to go? Okay, here's where we want to go. Let's identify where that's at. Okay, we want to go here. We want to do it in this time frame. That is absolutely expected. I, caring leadership is not some pushover, squishy thing that you know doesn't lead to anything, but just like people feeling kumbaya and really happy and, and birds chirping and and the flowers blooming. It's just it's not that thing. It really is a result-oriented approach. You get more, and I've highlighted companies here who have done that, including that WD40 company where it is a strategy to focus on people first. It is a strategy to care more. So you don't need to be a pushover. In fact, in here, we talk about this idea of kind of this tough love idea where we have to help people course correct when we see them going down the wrong road. But here's the thing, if we built the trust first, if they know we care for them upfront because of the things we've done for them and what we've said to them in the past, then when we go to them and we have to help them course correct, they don't look at it as in, a, in an offended way or like that we were talking down or being down to them. They might be disappointed in themselves, but I think they become very motivated and getting better because they know how much faith and energy we put into them. So an example to living with a lead with heart mentality, how would you recommend that leaders begin developing a culture where people are working with heart or leading with heart? Well, I mean, again, I think the first one is it, it has to start at the top. So for example, you know, a leader gets their hands on this book. 
and they're reading through it and they're like, wow, this is really good. How do we make sure our organization and our leaders inside this organization are doing some of these things? You know, I would always say, I believe in listening. So my organization, Employee Fanatics, we believe in creating cultures of listening. So I think at every turn, you should always include others, not to be like in a silo with just the board, in a silo with just the senior leadership team, in a silo with just your team, but start to cross collaborate and do roundtables to discuss how your organization can live out these behaviors that I highlight. Um, Because when you're able to live them out in a way that's true to your culture, it's going to feel real and not contrived. And then it's going to be long lived. So then your employees really get on board with it. So that's what I would say. Go do kind of a listening tour and including more people in that process. And I'm glad you said that because one of the things that I've jotted down throughout the course of our conversation is the the two words feedback systems. And I think it, it's really helpful to make sure you have those within your organization. What have been some of the easiest ways to get feedback? Is it is it just going to someone's office and saying, hey, I'd love to hear from you? Or are there other ways that leaders can begin incorporating certain systems into the workplace so they're getting that that constant and consistent feedback to understand where their employees are? There's that listening at the leader level where I talked about earlier, we should have that one-on-one time. Aside from performance reviews, I'm talking about a one-on-one dedicated time that says to your your team member, you are important. And it creates connection and it builds trust. So having those times, and again, it's not you, yes, you will have an agenda. Yes, we will have things related to the work. But you need to carve out 15 minutes of that time every week or every two weeks with that person who's kind of considered direct report to make sure that you're asking them how they're doing, really meeting them where they're at right there in that moment, not related to the projects or what they can do for you, but just who they are as humans and what they need from you as their leader. Organizationally, there's obviously, you know, annual surveys, there's pulse surveys where you're pulsing people, you know, maybe once a month, once their quarter on particular topics that are related to what's happening in the culture with the customers, whatever it is. And you want to get you want to get information from the front line to figure out what's happening. That's, you know, another way you can do interviews. You can bring in like us, we're outside consultants that will come in. And when you need to have that non-interested third party come in in a more safe space way where you feel like maybe trust has not been built, we come in and we help gather the voices of your employees in, in a way and then aggregate it so that then we can come up with big themes for you on what are your next steps as an organization. The organizations that I just highly respect, the ones that kind of will come to us saying, this is what we want to do. We want to listen. We want to act. I love the willingness to, to hear the hard stuff because listening is not easy. Whether we're doing it individually at that individual manager level, team member level, or whether we're doing it above organization, getting the feedback is not easy. It's not easy, number one, to sit actively and listen and to cast everything else aside and make that person the most important thing in your life at that moment. But it's not easy to do that. But it's also not easy to see the feedback and it not be like so wonderful at all times. And to say, okay, I have to handle this in a mature way. How do, how do we do this? How do we handle this? And we, we try to help organizations handle it in a mature, objective way that ensures some inline results after that. And if you are going to your direct reports, having those you are important trust building meetings, let's say you're a CEO, how far down do you go? Is it really just to the VPs, the executive team, and then they are meant to go down to the director level and then you know the directors are meant to go down to the next level? Is that what you would recommend or would you recommend there be times where someone higher up goes a little further down the line to try to get a different perspective? Primarily, it's the first, but I do think the second or the latter is also a good thing to do. But you have to remember, most organizations are not built on trust. So leadership interactions with people on the front line, all the leaders or supervisors with their own teams aren't predominantly built on trust. 
So you can't just kind of be like, hi, I want to hear everything you're thinking. Okay, they're not going to do that. They don't trust you. So you have to kind of embark on a trust building journey. And so when we think about, for example, a survey or something like that, once you listen and it's listening in a confidential space, you are in a gathering the themes and you have to be communicating back to people that what you've heard and what you're going to do. And when you're doing it, you have to, I call it connecting the dots. And then when you've done it, you tell them why you've done it. You did it because of their voice and you have to build trust. And it would be the same thing for the leader, the leader to team member kind of conversation. So yes, I do think it starts with the CEO and their direct reports, that next level going down. But at some point, once you've kind of pierced that trust area where maybe you're, you're actually starting to build up more trust and you have that a culture that you're feeling, it's a feedback, listening kind of culture. Now the next level down, it's like, how about we have, we host kind of a coffee hour with me, you and your team. And then we all talk, maybe get the other team member or get the VP out of the way. All that stuff starts to embark on less trust again. So you just have to figure out what the culture is allowing for. And then you have to go about embarking on building trust kind of one by one. And that does take time. Leaders, you just heard it from Heather. Most organizations are not built on trust. So think about it for your own organization. Is your organization built on trust? If not, how can you take some of what she just said to begin increasing the amount of trust within your organization? Now, Heather, before we finish up the interview, I'd love for you to just give us some final thoughts, something that we've talked about that you'd just like to reiterate from our conversation today or something maybe we haven't had a chance to address at all. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave with the listeners? I would say that when we think of caring leadership, it really is the leader expressing concern and kindness for those they lead. It's expressing. Caring leadership is about doing, not about thinking you are, but about actually doing. So I think the key is figuring out for yourself, what is it that you are doing or how are you expressing care for those you lead in ways that are impactful for them? And how are you going to them, you know, in the times when you feel like it's a high trust environment with them? How are you going to them and gauging whether they feel cared for? And that's what I would probably leave you with. Heather, if people have liked what they've heard from you today, and they'd like to connect with you more, where would you like for them to go to do that? I would say go to theartofcaringleadership.com and that will actually give them a doorway to pretty much everything else. I have multiple websites. You can, you'll be able to find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm out there. That's just because this work is so important. I've been doing it for a long time. So that'd be great. Awesome. Heather, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's interview with Heather, I encourage you to check out her website at theartofcaringleadership.com. That link as well as others are in the show notes below or at lifeasleadership.com. Now, one thing Heather mentioned is the importance of getting feedback from your team. And if you want some ideas on how to do this, in addition to what you heard in today's episode, I encourage you to download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. This is a free guide that gives you key steps to improve your leadership, including getting feedback from your team. Once again, if you'd like to download your free copy of the Leadership Action List, you can do that at leadershipactionlist.com. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. 
Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.